0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Garage Built Bates. And I'm actually really sorry about, like, how these podcast episodes are coming out because they're kind of random. They're a uh, bit few and far in between right now. Hopefully, I don't know how consistent I want to get, but I want to be able to, well, I will be able to get some guests on. I do have some people lined up that I talked to that said they would be willing to come on to the podcast. Some really interesting guests lined up so far, but I want to, so on this gaming PC that I'm running on, the monitor does not have a webcam, so I want to buy like a pretty decent webcam before I get going and all of that. But anyway, I digress. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Or if you, oh, just touch the boom. Oh my gosh. Or if you are new. Welcome to the podcast. So kind of a breakdown of what we're going to be talking about today is I'm just going to go over a little bit of how my fishing has been and I've been doing some projects lately that I'm pretty excited about, touch into that a little bit, and then as well um, I'm going to be going over some beginner lure making projects that you can get into for Pretty cheap, and then also get into these lure making projects that are actually going to catch you fish, and then go over some kind of gimmicky ones, in my opinion. But let's go over how my fishing has been. If you follow my main account on Instagram at buyerlureco, or if you follow on YouTube, I've been doing a pretty decent job this spring so i would say that we've only had like ice out for oh a little over a month now up here in the great white tundra and so right at ice out it's been a lot of spring trout fishing i was at cabela's and i found a i was walking down the trout aisle i was like oh well I need to pick up some, like, different odds and ends that I would like uh, in preparation for catching trout. And so I was looking, and I seen these Berkeley Ripple Shads, the two-inch size, in rainbow trout pattern. And I was like, oh, my sweet baby Jesus, these are going to kill it. And maybe it was just me having that initial, like ton of confidence in the beginning just being like oh these are gonna crush because they've been crushing and I've been trying not to overuse them and having my local fish get too used to them but there was whole racks of them of like different colors in that two inch size and I was I'm like a lot of people out here they're throwing they're either fly fishing or if they're ultralight fishing, they're using like inline spinners, things of like that, small spoons. Um I, like the area that I'm in, I would say that a lot of the fishermen are kind of behind the times a little bit because I rigged up that little two inch ripple shad. It's just a little it's just a little soft plastic paddle tail. It's just two inches. And I rigged that up on a little ball head jig. I think it's like a one sixteenth size, or one thirty sec. I think it's a one thirty second size, and I just crushed on that thing. And the main thing with it is just finding what speed they wanted at that day. Because literally, I will cast it out, and as soon as it hits the water. I'll either slow roll it. That's been what's working best for me, is just slow rolling it. Or, you know, just just like experimenting with my retrieve after that. But, kind of going off a little tangent here, little, little sidebar. Uh, like, when I say that these people in my area are behind the times when it comes to fishing, like, I definitely mean it, because they're out they are just either like I said they're either fly fishing this is a huge trout area where I'm at and they're either doing that or they're throwing their their spoons beetle spins inline spinners whatever and I mean that stuff works obviously it's like proven baits but I'm just like how is no one on this or you know they're using power like power bait dough or eggs um just things like like that but I don't think they're really on like I don't think people have really gotten on to like hey like maybe let's throw some finesse soft plastics to catch trout like or you know anything like that um or another really popular thing is as the people around here will say oh yeah we were catching them on plugs you know little original floating rapulas things like that just little and not not even the ultralight well not even like the ultralight rapulas just like the regular just smaller size uh original floating minnow or maybe even a countdown um but yeah, that's mainly what people are using around here. And they'll just like, or, you know, they'll throw a hook and a bob or an worm or a waxy or a minnow. And they just like sit in their one spot and they just like cast straight out from them. And, uh, you know, people, they catch fish that way. But it's definitely not my style of fishing. No judgment from any of them. Or a little, there's a little bit of judgment because I've been f***ing the trout up, honestly. Just on that that little swim, and I've been really wanting to get into BFS gear uh, because of, because of this, because of the area that I'm in. Um, but mainly, it's been a lot of trout this spring. Have not got my tri- my trifecta, my trout trifecta yet. Um, which for this area for me that's rainbow brook trout and brown trout and haven't really fished a ton of spots with brown trout in them there's quite a few around me but haven't really fished them like there's like a little bit of drive to them so right now I just have brook trout and brown trout Uh, not really including any of the other trout species in this because like lake trout in my area that's like there's only two two lakes around my area in the whole like in the whole this whole state there's only two places to catch lake trout and they're both you know about like a half hour about like a half hour to 40 minute drive from me but I don't include that and then there's a couple places um or actually there's just like one lake that I know of that I've personally fished at where they have um, a small stock number of cutthroat trout and then a small stock number of tiger trout. But I don't include those because uh, not as widespread, they're more localized to um, just a couple like lakes in my area. But anyway, Moving on, I have been fishing the swim baits quite a bit. I've been fishing a do-it-moles uh, crank plank uh, glide bait. I think it's like six inches, and I painted that in a rainbow trout pattern. And so far, uh, from three different bodies of water, of cotton, two pike, and one small dinky bass out of a pond, Um, but I've gotten quite a, at one spot, I got quite a few follows on it. Um, where, where I caught the bass out, I couldn't really tell because it was rainy. I couldn't really, um, I couldn't really see what was going on, uh, with any follows or anything, but it has been warmer. So I think that bite will heat up a little bit, especially, uh, starting to throw that more and bass more getting into pre-spawn and being more active. I did catch where I caught my first swim bait fish, which was a dinky pike. I also caught a bass out of there right away, and that was on a jerk bait plank that I painted in a Oh, which one was that? Oh, it was, it was a really simple. It was also a do-it crank-blank, like 110-style jerkbait. And that one actually uh, floats, like, really fast. Like, it rises really, like, a lot faster than I prefer. But I just painted that in, like, a really simple, like, silver shad pattern. So it's just silver, white on bottom, has the kill dot, and then black on top. And uh, this small bass just, like, T-boned it. And coincidentally, like, that small bass was bigger than the bass that I caught on the uh, six-inch glide bait. But the the bass bite is definitely going to heat up because one of the lakes that I went to here recently um, after throwing the glide bait quite a bit I haven't really thrown any other swim baits that I have yet but just throwing that glide bait I was like okay I want to switch it up I actually want to like um, even catch small fish that would be fine and so I brought some of my conventional gear with me on a short little trip that we did out to the lake and I hooked into a pretty decent bass it was probably about oh like two two and a half pounds and caught that we were coming up on this area and I was like all right I'm gonna fish down this bank and then I haven't really fished that area before I was like all right I'm gonna fish down this bank I was like tied on a jig I had a G2 a black dog's baits G2 shell cracker uh, tied onto my swim bait rod a little bit overpowered, I think, for the Shellcracker, especially with 20-pound fluoro. And then on my, like, like m- like over, all-purpose, like, all-around like, all rod, I had a Terminator Pro Jig tied on. It's my, like, favorite jig to fish. I have a ton of confidence in it. And it has a... Um, missile baits D-bomb trailer on it. Like, after I got done, after, like, it got, like, tore up from, like, just Texas rig flipping it, I just took it off and I put on, like, cut it down a little bit and then put it on that jig, just add more bulk to it, and then, like, um, more surface area for that bass to, like, suck it in. And... We were driving to this area, I was gonna work down the bank, and I seen a pine tree that had fallen. I don't know if it was like freshly fallen in there, but it was like over in the water, like branches in the water, things like that, and I was like, that is like flipping perfect. I was like, that is like the perfect setup to just like flip this jig in. And There was some tourists fishing the lake with their uh, little push-button rods that were from Texas. And I was probably about... I wasn't too far from them where this, like, lay-down was. It was probably about 10 yards. And so I felt, like, a little bit bad for, like, kind of crowding them. But I was like, also, this is, like... Like, we're not fishing for the same fish like I don't know what you guys I don't know what they were using for lures or bait but it's like we're not fishing for the same caliber of fish and so I didn't really feel that bad because they were just standing on the bank casting straight out for themselves versus I seen this I seen like this setup this pine tree in the water With like all these submerged vegetation around it. Like there's all these cattails and reeds. And I was like. This is perfect. And I told my partner. I was like this is perfect. And a couple casts in there. And I pulled out that like two and a half pounder. And. Was just ecstatic. And then the next cast. Like the skirt came off the jig. Since I've used that one quite a bit. So I'll have to. Retie some skirting onto that. I'll have to go and order some or pick some up somewhere. And yeah, so far that's been like my spring fishing. Um, just some pike on the glide bait, a small bass, and a couple small bass, and then that like two and a half one has been the biggest. And then probably like my biggest fish so far has been um, a pike I caught out of this uh big reservoir in my area uh rainy day fished for like five to six hours and just had that one fish commit to it i had like other bass and huge trout like look at consequently consequently that's the uh one place that has the lake trout and didn't have any lake trout look at it but there are some huge rainbows looking at that glide bait which is really cool but anyway let's get into the some beginner lure projects and first i'm gonna go over some ones in my opinion that i think you personally i think you should avoid these especially like i want to steer you in the right direction i like want to put out good information um to the best of my ability And I don't want to steer you towards some of these projects that are, like, shitty, in my opinion. Um, I just don't think they're going to be the best way to spend, like, your time, energy, and money. And I, like, don't get me wrong, these are fun. I've done a lot of these myself. But I'm going to try to steer you in a direction of, like, getting the most, like, bang for your buck and, like, creating the most effective lures that you can in order to be successful out of the water and like better utilize your time out on the water and having higher probabilities catching fish. And so some projects that I think you should avoid, so right away when you like, uh, if you like search in Google or whatever, you search like beginner lure projects or you search that into YouTube, I mean, Google and YouTube, one and the same. But you search you search for those projects of making, like, beginner lures. And you're going to have, like, a handful of, like, common themes that pop up. So you're going to have... Um, and these are the ones to avoid. Like, I'm going to give you this little list now. Um, I would say avoid the stupid, like, bottle cap lures like the beer bottle cap ones and stuff like that I think they're like I've made them and they're kind of like a spoon they're kind of like a jig um but have I caught bass on them yes I've caught bass on them when they're like really fired up and easy to catch um at a local pond where they're easy to catch in like my area and or like my hometown area. And I just think there's like a lot better ways that you can, you know, make lures. And I don't think those bottle cap lures are the way to go. Like I've made them myself and they're just not the move. Secondly, I would say avoid the... any Anything where it's like making... Um, making lures out of like cork so a lot of times you're going to see like cork poppers and stuff like that and I've fallen into this as well where I made like a cork topwater frog and honestly that's not something that I'm gravitating towards when I'm going out on the water why because I don't think it's like a very effective lure like it has a nice walking action but am I gonna reach for that or am I gonna reach for uh, or am I gonna reach for like my tackle frog or my scum frog or my booyah pad crasher like I'm gonna I'm going to gravitate to though those over like a cork popper or if I have a or if it's like a popper you don't I'm gonna gravitate towards a pop R or a hula popper or any like literally any other popper out there because yeah whatever it's something that you've made yourself but there's better there's like better ways like there's better lures out there to make starting off and like more effective lures as well in my opinion And then you're gonna have, like, your projects where it's, like, making, uh, making homemade spoons, and you're literally just cutting the handle off a spoon, and maybe you're making the handle into, like, a different kind of jigging spoon, like a cast master kind of a thing, and then, you know, you're making that main spoon part, that bold part, into, you know, a regular swimming or jigging spoon, and it's like, yeah, I've done those two, and, yeah, they work, are they more effective than, you know, the couple dollar spoon that you can, you know, buy pretty much anywhere? I honestly don't think so, and then to get, like, right away, they're, like, fine, but they're just, like, they don't have, like, the action that a regular spoon does, in my opinion, and so I don't think they're as effective, um... Have I caught Dinky Pike on them? Yes, but it's not something that I'm gravi- gravitating towards right away when I open up my box of, like, uh, lures that I've made and stuff like that. It's it's not something that I'm going to pick up right away. Um, and then that's that's going to be pretty much it. Those are, like, the top ones that you see pop up. And then kind of going off of that, whenever I see, like, a YouTube video where it's, like, like, lure-making challenges, and it's, like, bigger YouTubers, like, doing it, and it's just kind of, like, just stuff that they're just, like, hobbling together, and then go to these, like, ponds, and I'm sure they grind it out, because it's probably to catch, probably hard to catch bass on something you've made, but it's, like, I don't, like, they're they're kind of unrealistic because you can do so much better like i've seen one just searching doing like some like little searching for research for this video just to kind of see what's out there and it's like hard like home depot like fishing challenge and it's just like these shitty lures and it's like but you could do so much better than that like if you're at home depot you have like endless amounts of, like, supplies, like, you could do something better, um, as far as, like, in that cheap luber realm, um, of, like, maybe ones to avoid, I would say, like, also just, like, um, oh, like, the paracord one, that one's kind of fun, um, that is like, that that is like a like a fun one to do. Um, making a jig out of paracord, I've done that myself. Uh, I've done it myself, and you can catch fish on it. Caught some bluegill on the one that I did, but like I said, there's better options out there for you. So I'm just gonna kind of get into it right now. Uh, some of like my top lures that you can make that are uh pretty cheap and you know relatively easy to make and they're just gonna it's gonna be one of those things where like they'll just get better like the more you do it the better it's gonna be like become and me I've been making lures for quite a while I like to think that I started in like or not, I don't like to think I'm saying that I've started making lures, um, in 2015, 2016, kind of area, and made, like, a lot of stupid stuff, just, like, trying stuff out, and that's part of the fun, fun of it, but I've definitely wasted, like, a lot of time and money, um, just kind of buying random stuff and, uh just seeing like what'll happen so there's like a lot of stupid stuff out there that I've that I've made and uh, I have some of it and yeah oh so like recently like I've been on my buyer lureco channel I've been making a glide bait and so I went out to go and test it and it was just awful it was so bad like and it's like all right well it was a learning opportunity. I wasted. I wasn't like a waste of time doing it because, like, glide baits are harder to make, and so I was like, "All right, it's a learning opportunity." But this is also going into that box of like sh- lures. So, all right. But getting into this, some lure projects that I think you should start out with, and you can get into a lot of these for really cheap. Like, you don't have to spend a lot of. Uh, time or money on them and they're gonna be effective you're gonna catch a fish on these guarantee it um, so I would say the first one to get into is you can buy the uh, inline spinner kits at like wherever you want you can buy them off of Amazon like there's a lot of different places that carry these kits and they have like tons of different parts in them. And you can like make these inline spinners to exactly how you want them. Um, and then you can go, I think you can go from there, kind of see what, what you like, what you don't like. Like you can see like different blades, like what they do. And an inline spinner is probably one of the easiest lures to fish with. And probably one of the most effective lures out there. Like, that's why a lot of people, like, are still using it. That's why it's still a tool in my tackle box whenever... I mean, I have specific, like, scenarios that I use it for. Um, But, yeah, it's definitely effective. Like, I I caught my first brown trout on a inline spinner out in the rockies so i was pretty jacked about that and not on what i made it was the vibrax blue fox like those inline spinners those are something great that you can get into you can customize them how you would like to and then on top of it um you can even try to like dress up the treble hooks as well by uh doing either hair or you know hair fur or feather And those kits are something that you can do with your kids, you can do it with your family or whatever, and you can go out and actually, like, catch a fish right away, seemingly right away, on a proven, effective lure that you made yourself, and, like, an easy one to make at that. There's, it's literally just chunks of metal going into this build, so pretty easy project to go to get into and then these are actually the first lures that I started to make myself and I started to make um bucktail jigs so and and crappie jigs so I went and I picked up some uh marabou feathers from I go to Shields. Whenever, whenever we took a trip there, I lived really rural, so like going to a, a city that had a Shields was like a big deal. Like a two, like a two-hour drive, kind of a big deal. And went to Shields, picked up some bucktail, and then you can go to Walmart or whatever. And at Walmart, you can pick up a. You can go over to the sewing section. And you can pick up some, um, you can pick up some sewing thread, some nylon sewing thread. And then you can, like a spool is like pretty cheap. It's like a dollar or two. And you get a lot of it, like a lot that's going to last you a long time. And then you go over to the fishing section and you just get some Eagle Claw jig heads, like the cheapest that you can get. You can get a variety of sizes. If you're making crappie jigs obviously you're gonna go a little bit smaller if you're making something like a little bit bigger you can go with um you know like a like a quarter ounce is a little bit bigger for a marabou jig um and then if you're doing bucktail you can do like a half ounce jig like ball head jig my partner actually has her personal best bass in the fall time on a bucktail jig, like a half ounce bucktail jig. And uh it's not like huge. She doesn't really fish a ton. So it's like three pounds, I think. Her PB smallmouth is a lot bigger. It's like four pounds. No scale for either one, but just eyeballing it. Like a three pound largey and a four pound smallie And I'm really jealous because I have yet to catch a smallmouth even though I'm in an area where there's a couple lakes with them in there so we'll have to try to get after it but yeah get some marabou jigs you can even go to walmart and you can pick up you can pick up like a synthetic wig and you could make bucktails out of that because you can get those in a variety of color or you can go over to the crafting section and you can pick up feathers or whatever and you can make you know you can use those to make um crappie jigs or whatever and you can get the oh like the pipe cleaner the chanel like sticks or whatever I use those for crappie jigs and so when you like tie like a crappie jig you put a little marabou feather on it and I lock that down with the thread And then I take, um, one of those pipe cleaners and I'll wrap that around and then boom, you got a little crappie jig and my partner and I, we've caught a ton of fish on just like those little jigs that I've made because they're super effective. Um, crappie, perch, bluegill, white bass, uh, small bass, walleye, uh, freshwater clams, you name it, we've caught like every species under the sun with them. Um, and then recently I've been tying bucktail jigs again, and I've been catching trout on them. It's just something a little more subtle for them, and they're a little bit bigger, but they'll catch all different sizes of trout. Today, I caught two rook trout and two rainbow trout on these bucktail jigs that I tied up. Literally today, I tied them up and then went out in the evening and caught fish on them. So something pretty effective. And you can play around with a lot of different colors. And so for like, like a bucktail jig though, you can go to... Um, you know, you can go to like a fly tying store or you can go to like a Shields or a Cabela's or a Bass Pro Shop and sometimes they'll have like lure making stuff like that for, you know, like fly tying. So they'll have like fur, feather, and hide. And you can buy a bucktail, but better yet, if you're in an area where you have a lot of outdoors people or you're outdoorsy yourself, you're around hunters. You can be like, you can ask them, hey, I would like when you fill your tag, can you cut the tail off and throw in a Ziploc bag for me so I can tie up some jigs with it? Um, fly tires, they like the belly hair of deer that's longer and uh, works really well, as you know, works really well. Um, but I think, like, personally, that's, like, a lot more work for somebody, cutting out patches of, uh, cutting out, like, squares of belly hair rather than just cutting a tail off for you and throwing a Ziploc baggie. And then I'm going to be putting out a video here in the next coming weeks where I go over my process of, uh, sorry, my process of Breaking that down and like going through and getting it all prepared to like tie jigs up with. And then also, like with the video that I did today, I went out and caught these trout on bucktails that I tied up. And then before that, I actually died the bucktail myself so I go through like a really easy process for that that I've done um so I'd say look out for those videos it's just like a lot to cover like I'm not trying to go over it into like too much detail um just because I don't want this podcast to be you know like a couple hours long and so after you like you tie up your bucktail Instead of like... Or your crappie jigs or whatever. Feather trebles. Like whatever you want to do. After you do that. I would say... There's a couple different adhesives. That you can use. That work really well. And so... For me. One of the guys that ties flies. uh, At work. He uses a clear coat nail polish it's really cheap you can go to the dollar store or walmart or wherever and it's get it for a dollar or a couple bucks and it already has a brush applicator for it and so it's really easy to brush on like that liquid gets absorbed a bit into the thread so it's going to lock it in hold it really nice and it's going to last you a while Um, and if you need to, and you can just like reapply it, doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, or you can use super glue. I would stay away from like gel super glues and just go for like a, just a liquid super glue. Uh, personally, Loctite is my favorite. Um, where it's, I like the thin one. And the problem with that is though, if you like over apply Loctite, Or, you know, like any super glue of that matter, you can get the though like white kind of powdery chalky look to it. And I just think that the clear coat nail polish leaves a nicer finish. But anyway, I feel like we went a ton into that, but it was like fresh on my mind because I had just done... You know, just got done tying up some bucktails and have been processing these, these tails. I have one outside and I have one already done that I dyed the hair with. But anyway, be out, be on the lookout for those videos. Those will be coming out in these next couple of weeks here on the Buyer Lubrico YouTube channel. I have to plug that in there a little bit, but then I would say if you want to get into making baits from wood I would suggest starting with balsa and the reason that I say that is it's going to be one of the easiest to work to work with because you can go to like a hobby store or something and you can or online and you can order blocks of carving carving blocks of balsa and you can pretty easily start to carve out lures I would say starting out maybe look at some like doing like a little jerk bait or a flat-sided crank bait like a like a flat-sided square bill um something along those lines and with balsa since it is a softer wood it's going to be really easy to carve but I would suggest doing a line through a a line through design because that's gonna you know like a harness or something like that because that's gonna be the strongest hole like that's gonna that's gonna make your bait stronger like you like, you can't use screw eyes for balsa. They're just going to pull right out. So a wire harness is going to be your best bet. And you can pick up some wire for pretty cheap at a hardware store. You don't have to have, like, super heavy gauge. Um, something that bends easily, but, like, not too easily. I would say start in, like, the 18-gauge like the range. Is going to be your best bet, especially if you're doing, like, a smaller bait. And then for weighting, you can be really simple with that. You can just throw a couple of, like, split shot in there and cover up those holes with super glue and baking soda. That's going to be your most readily available, um, your most readily available Filler, I guess. Uh, you can also use, you can also use like a putty wood filler, or you can take some sawdust and sprinkle it back in and super glue it in. That works very. That's like really effective as well. But honestly, your best bet is that super glue and baking soda. It's gonna sand out pretty easily. You're gonna be left with a a good project and. It's not buoyant so when you say you cut a line slot on the bottom of your balsa bait you're going to be able to fill that in with super glue and baking soda after you put your weights and your harness in and put your bill in and then that's not going to affect like the buoyancy of your bait because it's going to be like super glue and baking soda that the result of that chemical reaction, like that material sinks. So it's going to just help with your uh, balancing of the bait, if you will. And as far as like bills go, if you're making a light lure like that, you can't go wrong with using the little plastic inserts for like tackle trays. You can use those. And that's going to be a great starting point for you. They're pretty easy to cut out. They sand pretty nicely. And they are a thinner material. So you do have to worry about, you know, if you hit it against a, a rock or a bridge or a dock or whatever, you know, they have a chance of breaking. But they're pretty forgiving. And for sealing the bait after you have it all carved out and sanded, you can literally just seal the bait by giving it a super glue bath and then just giving it a very light sanding with like oh you can start with like three or four hundred and give it a light sanding to make it smooth and for painting I would suggest you start with maybe if you got some like brush style acrylic paints that's a good place to start uh, you can just hand brush everything on or you can use nail polish that's pretty effective and if you wanted to you can even use a nail polish like clear coat as well that's going to give you a fairly effective clear coat you might have to like redo it after a couple of fish catches or something like that but it's going to be fine like you're The biggest thing is going to be functionality versus, like, look when you start making baits. Like, you just try to get, like, a good function out of them, and then you can worry about, like, the aesthetics of a bait later. Because, uh, I mean, I make baits right now, and they still, like, a lot of them look like trash. Like, they are, like, they have good function, but they just, like, they're just now starting to get, like, a more professional, like better look and part of that is just like continuing to invest in it but right away probably don't want to put a ton of money into it right away and you know buy airbrushes and adhesive and paints and epoxies and whatever right away though if you do want to have like a really nice clear coat I would say at the hobby store or Walmart or wherever get some brushes And then just some like small like brushes and then get some two part epoxy and then you can do epoxy clear coats and that's going to make your bait last a lot longer. And then I'll probably do like a little bit more advanced like podcast later of like going into like more adhesives and paints and whatever. But right now, yeah, I would say just start with balsa and copy, just like copy a shape right away. But after that, just get kind of, get fun, get creative with it. A lot of baits out there look the same, so maybe try to make something unique. And then if you can get it to function really well, it's even better. Like, there's no better feeling than catching a fish on a bait that you made. Like, my first swim bait fishes have been... On a bait that I've painted, which is really cool. Now I have to make a bait and catch a swim bait bait or (laughs) catch a swim bait fish on a bait that I've made. But all, all those catches, all these catches have been on rods that I've made which has been really cool. And that's one of them things where you dive deeper down the rabbit hole and you're like, well, I make these baits that catch fish. Now can I make a rod that is more suited to what I want? And so you just dive into this huge rabbit hole. But I would say start with those three. So start with inline spinner. You can't go wrong with that. It's a fish catcher bucktail, bucktail jigs, crappie jigs, you know, any kind of like hair or feather jig you can't go wrong with because those are fish catchers. And with those first two, two, you pretty much can't fish them wrong. You just kind of have to see what the fish are liking. Um, and then I would say if you're going to try to get into carving and everything, uh, use a box cutter or one of those snap knives and just start experimenting with balsa. It's gonna be real it's gonna be really easy to carve. You do have to worry about tearing out. You definitely want like a really sharp uh box cutter or whatever. You really want to like a really sharp blade and just just start and get a get a couple of variety packs of sandpaper and just start at a coarser grit and just work your way down. I work my way down to 300. I think that's the point where you get like a pretty smooth uh, finish where you can sand it down to nice 300 grit and you can even go further behind beyond that and get it to 600 which will probably I'll start doing just to have more of a professional feel to everything but that's going to be when you start doing wood baits that's going to be where the bulk of your time is spent especially if you're making them by hand is going to be sanding but it's definitely worth it because once you start painting that's where you start to notice like some of your imperfections and so I would say some good resources to start is for if you want to start out with those wood carvings, I would say check out Trey's art on YouTube. I would say check out Marling Bates, Solarfall Baits. I would check out Zimtex is really good. And check out Byer Lurico. He's okay, I guess. And, yeah, those are some good resources to get you started in the right direction. With, like, with Nate from Marling Bates, he does, like, a really good job of, like, showing stuff. But you kind of have to really pay attention to, like, get, like, little nuggets here and there of, like, really good information or, like, really pay attention to what he's doing. But definitely some good places to get started there's like a lot of there's like a lot of good videos out there of people like making baits there's also a lot of bad videos out there of people making baits so those are a couple of like good ones to like check out right away um I mean I definitely have like bad videos out there of making baits but I'm hoping to up the quality of the baits that I make and the the content which I'm showing you guys like the bait making has slowed down like a ton and like painting this fall has slowed down a ton this year or you know this spring it's slowed down a ton because I've been out fishing like I had a comment on a video of the glide bait because it's like part one and somebody was like shouldn't there be a part two already and I'm like well you're right but i've been like ever since i got ice out i've been so excited to go fishing that i haven't really done any lure making plus all the other different crazy aspects of my life but i don't want to don't want to get sidetracked too much so that's going to do it for this episode i hope it was i hope it was informative i could like definitely talk a ton more about this but i don't want a super crazy long episode for you to listen to i just kind of want to point you in a direction and you can go from there but i hope it was informative for people there's some good nuggets of information out there i felt like but thank you so much for listening if you want to rate this you can rate this on whatever platform you're listening to Uh, definitely consider following subscribing whatever that would be greatly appreciated and I hope that you guys are having success out there on the water and we will talk to you in the next episode